This is the Bible Speaks to You podcast, episode 110. Today we're going to talk about the answer to this question. When Sarah called Abraham Lord, was she submissive to him? You're listening to the Bible Speaks to You podcast. I'm James Early, your host, and this is the place to be to rediscover the original Christianity of Jesus. Each week, we talk about how Jesus wanted us to think and act and pray and live our daily lives. And we dig down into the mindset of Jesus to discover how we can think and act like he did. The goal is to experience more of Jesus' promise that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Hey there, and welcome again to the Bible Speaks to You podcast. I am so grateful that you're here listening. As you know, usually I talk about something in the New Testament, and focus on Jesus and his mindset a lot. But this week, we're mostly in the Old Testament. Today, we're going to talk about whether women are supposed to be submissive to their husbands. A lot of people believe that that's what the Bible says. So we're going to look at this today. One of the Bible classes that I conduct at the Federal Correctional Institution in Danbury, Connecticut, is about all the women in the Bible. It takes about nine months, meeting once a week for about an hour, hour and a half, to get through this study. There's a lot to cover. There are a lot of women in the Bible. Doing the research for this class brought things to light that I had never seen before, and it put a lot of things in perspective that are often taken out of context. So part of today's episode comes from what I learned teaching that class. But what impels me to address this topic right now is a book I just finished reading called The Making of Biblical Womanhood, How the Subjugation of Women Became Gospel Truth. It's written by Beth Allison Barr. Barr identifies with the evangelical church tradition but she's also an historian who has traced women's participation in church leadership throughout the centuries. I highly recommend this book. The author pulls the carpet out from under the assertion by the patriarchal system throughout much of church history that women should be subservient to their husbands and men in general. She shows, in fact, that what is called biblical womanhood by some churches today is actually not based on the teachings of the Bible at all, but has crept into the church over the centuries and with greater influence than ever before in the last few decades. Reading this book has really given me a lot to think about, and there's no way to cover this whole topic in a short podcast episode. There are so many facets to this discussion about the relationship between husbands and wives, and there are many, many Bible verses that people use to argue both for and against wives submitting completely to their husbands. I'm simply going to use one Bible story in particular to bring out a point that is often misconstrued 
or it's left out completely from the discussion. And just to be transparent here, obviously I am a guy talking about women in the Bible. So I'm bringing my perspective to the whole discussion here, but I'm trying to be objective as much as I can and just see what the Bible texts say and what we can learn from the narrative in these Bible stories. The title for today's episode is When Sarah Called Abraham Lord, was she being submissive to him? So instantly you know what Bible story we're going to talk about. One of the most often quoted Bible verses used by those who believe women should submit to their husbands on all matters is from 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Here's what it says. For this is the way the holy women of the past who put their hope in God used to adorn themselves. They submitted themselves to their own husbands, like Sarah, who obeyed Abraham and called him her Lord. Did Sarah actually call Abraham her Lord? Well, yes, she did. The verse referred to is in Genesis 18, verse 12. Sarah laughed to herself as she thought, After I am worn out and my Lord is old, referring to Abraham, obviously, will I have this pleasure? Referring to the idea of being a mother. Sarah was laughing because she and Abraham had just been informed by God's messengers that Sarah would have a son. She was 90 years old and had not been able to have children up to this point. Some people say that since Sarah referred to her husband as her Lord, that meant she was submissive to him. Well, what I learned from teaching the Bible class about all the women in the Bible at the prison is that Sarah and Abraham, well, they did have quite an interesting relationship. If you read all the chapters that talk about Sarah, beginning with Genesis chapter 11 all the way through chapter 25 in Genesis, you get a very different picture of Sarah and the way she interacted with Abraham than you do from the verse I just quoted from 1 Peter. There were many times when Sarah, or Sarai at the time, did what Abram told her. This is in Genesis chapter 12, verses 11 through 13. They were about to go into Egypt, and so Abram said to his wife Sarai, I know what a beautiful woman you are, When the Egyptians see you, they will say, This is his wife. Then they will kill me, but will let you live. So he told Sarai, Say you are my sister, so that I will be treated well for your sake, and my life will be spared because of you. And Sarai did that. That happened again when they were in Abimelech's land. This is in Genesis 20, verse 13. Abraham says, I said to her, referring to his wife, This is how you can show your love for me. Everywhere we go, say of me, he is my brother. Abraham was asking Sarai to say that they were brother and sister, which was technically true. They were half brother and sister. They had the same father, but not the same mother. So Sarah did what Abraham told her to. But there were also times when Abram did what Sarai told him. 
This is in Genesis chapter 16, verses 1, 2, 5, and 6. Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. So Sarai said to Abram, Go sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. She's telling Abram what to do. That doesn't really sound like she is submitting to him at all, does it? And Abraham agreed to what Sarah said. So then Hagar gets pregnant, and Sarai said to Abram, You are responsible for the wrong I am suffering. She really didn't accept responsibility for that, did she? I put my slave in your arms, and now that she knows she is pregnant, she despises me. May the Lord judge between you and me. Watch out when you say that, because God's judgment is just. Well, here's the part I wanted to get to. Abram responds and says, Your slave is in your hands. Do with her whatever you think best. That does not sound like a wife only doing what her husband tells her, or always asking him what to do. Abram tells her to think for herself and make up her own mind. He treated her as an equal. I think the most interesting example of Abraham obeying Sarah is after she gives birth to Isaac. Their names have been changed to Abraham and Sarah at this point. This is in Genesis 21, 8-12. Abraham made a great feast on the day that Isaac was weaned. But Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, his name was Ishmael, whom she had borne to Abraham, laughing. She said to Abraham, Cast out this slave woman with her son, for the son of this slave woman shall not be heir with my son Isaac. Well, Abraham was pretty displeased. He loved his son Ishmael. And this is what's almost always left out of this discussion about Sarah submitting to Abraham. This is verse 12. God said to Abraham, Be not displeased because of the boy and because of your slave woman. Whatever Sarah says to you, do as she tells you, for through Isaac shall your offspring be named. God himself is telling Abraham to obey his wife. Does that sound like the husband always makes the decisions in this home? Is the husband always right just because he's the husband? According to Genesis 21.12, God is telling Abraham to do what his wife tells him. Is this Sarah submitting to her husband? Not at all. From everything I read about Sarah and Abraham, it seems clear they have a marriage based on equality and mutual respect. Sometimes Sarah obeys Abraham. Sometimes Abraham obeys Sarah. There is no submission based on gender. It's based on what is closer to the right thing to do. And sometimes it's based on what God tells them to do. Let's get back to the story of Sarah and Abraham and their relationship. How can their situation apply to marriage today? For me, it means that both 
husband and wife, should seek God's guidance directly and freely talk about what they should be doing individually as well as how to work together as a team. Throughout the 30-plus years of our marriage, my wife and I have worked diligently to have a relationship based on equality. Neither one of us is subservient to the other. She has a direct relationship to God just as much as I do, and I need to listen to her as well as her listening to me. When we have been the most successful in our relationship, we have both listened to God for direction and talked about things and discussed the choices to see what was closest to the right way to go in a particular situation. There have been times when she was so clearly right on a given topic and other times when I was. And if it all depended on just one of us, that's not really valuing the direct connection each of us has to God. It's about turning to God for the answers. Another related issue with this question of whether women should be submissive to their husbands is, does the Bible assign gender roles, such as women always being in the home, doing the cooking, the cleaning, etc.? There are many examples of women serving family members and guests. Um, I think of Peter's mother-in-law, after Jesus healed her of a serious fever, she got out of bed and expressed the normal hospitality to those in the home. And people love to talk about Martha serving company in her home. All these things happened. But does that mean it's a gender role ordained by the Bible, ordained by God? No. There are lots of things in the Bible that aren't necessarily ordained by God. Jesus also served meals. He multiplied the loaves and fish to feed the hungry crowds and had his disciples, many of whom were men, serve the crowd. He served a meal on the shore of the Sea of Galilee to a few of his disciples after his resurrection. Why are these examples not turned into biblical gender roles? It's way too easy sometimes to pick out a few verses and decide that that's a biblical principle, whereas it may just be something that happened. Just because something is in the Bible doesn't mean that everybody is supposed to do it all the time. The crux of the matter is asking God for guidance. A man and a woman can do that equally well. I want to touch on one more verse from that passage in 1 Peter that I already quoted. This is in chapter 3. It's often used to argue that women are the weaker sex and should be subservient to their husbands because of that, even subservient to all men. And this comes directly after the reference to Sarah calling her husband Lord, and therefore she was submitting to him. This is verse 7. Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives. That's a good idea. And treat them with respect. That's good. As the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Well, what's going to hinder your prayers is not being respectful of your wife, not being considerate. But let's look at that word weak. It is the Greek word asthenes. It means without strength. What does that mean? That women are the weaker partner? 
that women have no strength? What does it really mean to be weak? Listen to what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 1, verse 27. God chose the foolish things of the world to shame or confound the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame or confound the strong. If you're going to claim that women are the weaker sex based on 1 Peter 3, verse 7, you also have to accept that God has chosen women, whom you define as weak, to confound or shame the arrogance of men who think that they are stronger and wiser. You can't just take one Bible verse. You have to see everything that the Bible says about a particular thing to get an overview of what's really being said. Jeremiah kind of backs this up. He says in chapter 9, verses 23 and 24, this is what the Lord says, let not the wise boast in their wisdom or the strong boast of their strength or the rich boast of their riches, but let the one who boasts boast about this, that they have the understanding to know me that I am the Lord who exercises kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth. For in these things I delight, declares the Lord. So is this so-called weakness a negative thing, a less than or a not as important as thing? I don't believe it is. Can a man be weak? Should a man ever be weak? Paul says in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 10, For Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. The world may define women as weak, but when they trust in Christ, they are strong. When we realize, male or female, we do not have the personal strength or ability to do something on our own, when we realize our own weakness, our own shortcomings, then we turn to God, we lean on Him, and are strengthened by God. So is perhaps what is being called the weakness of wives actually a strength? I just quoted how Jeremiah says that the strong and mighty should not glory in their own abilities, but in the fact that they know God. Maybe what Peter is calling the weakness of wives is actually the willingness to trust God and depend on Him instead of themselves. And that is true strength. And so when they are weak, they are strong. And that's true for men and women, as Paul points out. Let's bring this back around to Sarah and Abraham. Sarah was by no means submissive to her husband at all times. Abraham by no means lorded over his wife at all times, insisting that she always obey him. On many occasions, he obeyed her. And I just want to reemphasize the fact that those verses in 1 Peter chapter 3, 5, and 6, which I quoted at the very beginning about Sarah calling Abraham her Lord and submitting to him, do not paint the whole picture of Sarah and Abraham's relationship. 
This is why it's so crucial to read the Bible for yourself and study everything it has to say on a given subject. We need to ask God to open our eyes to see things that we haven't seen before. Nobody pointed this out to me in the Bible. It came to me because I was preparing a class to teach at the prison, but it came because I was studying the Bible for myself, and that's one of the reasons I called this podcast what I do, The Bible Speaks to You. I can tell you what I find in the Bible, but it's so important for you to read the Bible for yourself and see what the Bible is saying to you. That could change from day to day, week to week, year to year. You might see things next week that you never saw before, and it changes your whole perspective on something. That certainly has happened to me. One of the things that I hope you'll take away from this particular episode is not to believe what someone says about the Bible just because there's some so-called religious authority, in this case, that all women should submit 100% of the time to their husbands because of one verse in 1 Peter. Please read the Bible for yourself and do some deep study and go to God in prayer to see what message comes to you from the Bible and directly from God. Even when you think you understand something, Look at it in a fresh light. And in doing that, in my study of the story of Abraham and Sarah, I got a whole new perspective because I saw more than I had seen before, and I wasn't just taking someone else's word for it. So I'd encourage you, don't take my word for what you've heard today in this episode. Go and read those chapters in Genesis for yourself and see what you think, and I would love to hear any insights that you get on the relationship between Sarah and Abraham. And don't let religious authorities bully you into believing a particular thing. Sarah and Abraham had a beautiful, not perfect, relationship. It was based on equality and mutual respect. And if you are married, I hope you can bring some of these ideas into your marriage relationship with both you and your spouse turning to God directly for help and listening for his voice and his guidance together. Husbands, if your wife has the better idea, have the humility. Do what she says. And wives, if your husband is right, go along with it. So it really boils down to listening for God's direction. I hope you have found this helpful. If you enjoyed today's episode and can think of someone that might really appreciate it, I hope you will share it with them. If you're new to The Bible Speaks to You, I hope you will subscribe. Go to the website, thebiblespeakstoyou.com. Click on the subscribe tab in the menu bar. Fill out the form. You'll be on my email notification list and you'll never miss an episode. As always, I'll have all the Bible references that I quoted today in the show notes you can find those at thebiblespeakstoyou.com forward slash 110. This is episode 110. And if you have any questions or comments about anything in today's episode or anything in general about the Bible, or if you need a little extra spiritual support, I would love to hear from you. Just go to the website and click on the contact tab up in the menu bar, and I'll be in touch. I would love to hear from you. That's it for today. 
I want to thank you so much for tuning in and listening. I really appreciate you being here. I'm James Early with the Bible Speaks to You podcast. Have a great week. Take care. We'll see you next time. God bless. Thank you.